0: stuff. Tampa Bay's Tan Talk Radio Network. Steiner, your host, and tonight we have with us three guests. First, we'll start with two who are with St. Pete Time Bank, B.J. Andriuski and Mandy Keys, followed by Kevin Modis, who's the Outreach Director of California Brain Tumor Association. We'll be talking about the hazards of and protection from EMF and wireless radiation, and we'll also uh, We'll also uh, talk about the 5G wireless technology health effects. He's an expert, and we'll talk about safe alternatives, as well as some of the root causes of microwave um, disease. And uh, if you're microwave sick from wireless radiation, you can contact him at 5ginformation.net, and uh, we'll give his email out as well. The show site where you can find all the guest contact information is theliberationstation.com. That's T-H-E, liberationstation.com. Join us in the chat room on the listen-slash-archives page. Handy-dandy player is right there on the same page as the chat room. And you can just send me a message if you don't feel like calling in. And uh, let's welcome to the show mandy keys and bj andrewski and i'd like to start out by thanking you for your service time bank how are you today ladies hi this is mandy i'm good how
1: are you
0: i'm doing well thanks really good
1: here chris thank you
0: all right well bj you're the founder and manager of st Pete time bank and mandy's organizer now, uh, I know a lot of people don't have enough money, but everybody has the same amount of time. What's your elevator pitch to somebody you'd say, uh, if you had 10 floors on an elevator, to try to tell them why they should uh, join with a time bank like yours?
1: Do you want to take well, that, PJ? That <laughs> sure. And it's <laughs> something I need to perfect. So thank you for the opportunity to get a practice here. Um <laughs> What our mission is is to support the growth of a time-based community that teaches its members how to exchange goods and services without the use of cash. So like you said, everybody has the same amount of time in a given day, but time is the thing that is most demanded of us. And we value everybody's time equally. So an hour of one service from one person is equal to the value of a service given from another person, no matter what that service would cost in the market economy.
0: All right. And Mandy, do you have anything to add?
2: Um, No, BJ, you did a great job. Um, (laughs) I guess uh, the main thing... For for me again is the equality of everybody's time being valuable, um, but also that um, I also uh, happen to own a cafe called Community Cafe. So my most important thing in my life is building community and connecting people. And so not only does Time Bank offer options for um, alternative uh, currencies for for services. But also, my favorite part is the intense uh, building of community that you connect with these people um, through doing this service for each other without exchanging cash that is more, is deeper and more meaningful than uh, a regular market economy.
0: Yeah, great. Um, Now, Community Cafe, you're you're the owner of Mandy. That's uh, the website is communitycafesaintpete.com. Well, the address is 2444 Central Avenue, and uh, St. Pete for Peace, uh, stpeteforpeace.org, holds uh, weekly screenings there of a lot of things that have to do with more than peace, but, uh, you know, very community-conscious uh, video screenings, and uh, that's awesome, I think, because so many folks need uh, group support when it comes to watching hard-hitting films and and then being able to then to discuss and discuss and discuss and discuss afterwards, So um, that's uh, something that folks can check out at uh, St. Pete for Peace on uh, Facebook. I know the events are are posted there. So, uh, yeah, I want to make sure that folks can come in and and, uh, check out uh, your offerings there as well at uh, communitycafesaintpete.com.
2: Yeah, and we have a ton of Time Bank events there as well. For example, um, once a month we have a free swap um, that is open to the public in addition to Time Bank members, but Time Bank members receive hours um, for attending because they're building community and they're they're basically investing in our our community through the time bank, but the community at large as well. Um, and it's you know just like it sounds, free spots, bring stuff, take stuff, and um, and then we have orientations there. We have a vision board crafting party coming up um, this coming uh, uh, a week from this Sunday um, or this Sunday. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so on our Facebook, we also have a whole bunch of, and and also through the um, St. Pete Time Bank Facebook group as well, a ton of events. Um, Some happen at the cafe, some happen at members' houses, some happen other places in the community. But like I said, my my favorite part is building that sense of community with people who are like-minded, who care about, um, you know, uh, sharing, a sharing community, basically.
0: All right. Well, um, what would somebody expect if uh, if they were to go to one of the uh, St. Pete Time Banks uh, orientations and uh, you know what I understand that uh, they need to bring their their notebook and uh, how would they uh, get set up with St. Pete Time Bank?
1: Nah, they don't need a notebook. They don't need a notebook.
0: Oh, it's not sorry, that they... difficult. <laughs> oh, I guess I'm being no, a cyber No, we don't, we don't
1: take a test afterwards either. <laughs> <laughs> no, basically the orientations are just so that we can get everybody in the same room and talk one-on-one about the principles of time banking, why we're doing what we're doing. We talk about the five core values, which are really what we base ourselves on, and be able to answer their questions because. When uh, this takes a little bit different of a mindset, you know, it's everybody's used to the, the corporate economy out there and, and the market economy where, you know, if something is valued highly, um, there's, there, I should say, if something is scarce, the dollar value goes up. You know, and in the market economy, if there's a lot of supply, the dollar value goes down and oftentimes is undervalued or considered, if there's a lot of it, considered worthless, like random acts of kindness. How much would you pay for that? Right. There's a lot of it that goes around in the community, especially if you hang out at a community cafe, you see it all the time. But. It's not worth anything in this corporate monetary um, society out there because it is so rampant and there's so much of it, but we value it. And if you spend time mm-hmm. doing random act of kindness, you can actually put, quote, time credits in your bank. Well, so, we talk oh, well. about things like that, and people ask questions and they go, Well, how do we do this and how do we do that? And so, we go back and forth and, and answer different things and talk a little bit about the history of time banking, where CMP Time Bank hopes to take time banking in the community and uh, about our core values of, of um, assets that everybody is an asset because we're an asset based community and, and respect, you know, and that we redefine work and the things that the market economy doesn't pay for, we do. You know, and uh, reciprocity that we always have to think about the two-way street. You know, instead of a like a charity that would be you need something and I have it, therefore I'm going to give it to you because out of my good graces kind of thing. As to where we're we're reciprocity, which is you need something, let's go make it happen together. You participate in that, and we'll get you the coat that you need or the blanket that you need or. know whatever that you need but you know let's go help mrs jones fix her fence because it's broken and she can't do it herself great talk about those core values that that really that we rest upon so and everybody looks eye to eye and we're on the same page yeah So orientation is not no test it's it's just uh to get you on the same page
2: and to make sure that you know what we believe in um so that you can Make sure that, um, you know, that everybody in the Time Bank are, are people that are using it properly and
0: stuff. All right. Well, for folks to learn more about you, uh, check out stp.timebanks.org That's stp.timebanks.org And on Facebook, you can just uh, look for St. Pete Time Bank or uh, fa- directly get there at facebook.com slash group slash everyday hero exchange. That's facebook.com slash groups slash everyday hero exchange. And, yeah, um, it does seem like uh, random acts of kindness uh, are generally undervalued. I guess it depends to me on uh, how (laughs) the intention I I detect intuitively by by, uh, the person if if, uh, they're you know what they might need in return uh should be uh inquired after that so um but um you know uh, the value of things is something that uh, most folks think they need to depend on with the national currency and and uh, if if more people as more people participate in time banks like yours then we can find the things that we need at, i think um uh, Uh, better quality, uh, you know, heirloom quality, local, keep the wealth local, right? Uh, What are some of the other advantages of time banking?
1: One of the things that's really cool is you can exchange with people in other time banks all over the United States and all over the world, actually. There's time banks in, in many different countries. And I'm not a numbers and a statistical gal, so I don't have them on the tip of my tongue on how many there are. But Um, exchanges can happen, like a gal left St. Petersburg and went to Augusta, Maine for a week-long composting class, like composting on a citywide level, and she rode up there on a train to save money and actually arranged through another time bank to stay in a time bank member's home while she was there. That was a negotiation because it wasn't actually hour-per-hour She was there for a whole week, but it's not like you sleep in the bed for 40 hours a week. You know what I mean? So they did a negotiation and said that they would pay a certain amount of time credits for that to happen. And then that woman, in turn, was able to take those time credits and get her son some piano lessons. So the exchanges don't always have to happen in St. Petersburg, although we are local to St. Pete. They're exchangeable in other uh, communities all around the world.
0: Right, That's like uh, community currencies often are, of course. You won't know until you get there. I, I didn't know that about time banks, though, that they're interchangeable uh, if you prearrange, it sounds. But right. I don't know. You do, um, have
1: to pre- you do have to prearrange it. We had a gal that uh, was involved with the Tiny Home Festival here, and she went to go, go do Tiny Home Festivals in another part of the country. And she called me and said, Is there a time bank in Battleboro, Vermont? And I said, Yes, there is. And so we arranged it. They found somebody for her to stay with, and she was able to get out of her tiny home on wheels, you know, which was her vehicle, (laughs) and, uh, you know, be able to have a hot meal with some other people that have the same values that they, core values that they live by, and take a nice shower and visit with them, and then went about her business for the tiny home festival up there.
0: Nice. All right. Well, uh, what you're doing is not waiting for the politicians to reform economics. You're doing it yourself. So that's yeah. why I'm I'm having you on to promote and participate, encourage folks to participate in, in equitable commerce media like yours, and I also endorse community currencies. I'm saying uh, not private, not privately controlled where there's a profit, but publicly accountable, and yes. uh, right. And so that's why I'm having you on. Um, but uh, there are privately owned ones where the owners get a cut of uh, every transaction, for example, as in the case of barter networks. and But sure. uh, so I'm, I'm for publicly accountable uh, community currencies and time banks and barter networks and cooperatives um, and swap shops, which is another uh, method of trade. But, um, you know, that's, that's separate from uh, commerce, equitable commerce media, though they're all important, I think, to increasing our standard of living. And that's why I'm having you on, because uh, I, I want folks no matter what they believe to have more time to increase their standard of living in order to have the patience to talk to each other and figure out what's best for humanity and instead of uh, having rushed co- impatient conversations I, I think key is is what you're doing and um, you know it's, i i see folks who feel like they have to trust the national currency as a kind of a brand loyalty like uh, well this, I've been using this uh, green paper, you know, this pretty printed pieces of paper for so long, why should I change? And I compare that to where folks say, well, I'm going to drink tap water because I pay the government darn good money to provide me water and it better be quality. So uh, that's what I'm going to keep drinking. Why should I keep, why should I pay more? Well, with these equitable commerce media like yours, they don't have to pay more. They'll find that their standard of living can improve so i say well why trust the the federal reserve when they say that they're inflating the economy they're improving they're increasing the supply of currency and credit well they're saying that to inspire market confidence as you see the markets go up and down you know they say well markets are gone up then uh, my my confidence to buy luxury goods is going to go out and go spend more money because the markets look good and they they very well, I believe, are um, pumping liquidity into the stock market and the markets. But uh, what folks need to know is that inflation and deflation make prices rise. They, they think, well, inflation is all that makes prices rise. Generally, folks think that. But deflation does also. Because when you have uh, inflation of the currency and credit supply, that's an abundancy of currency and credit in common circulation makes the prices rise more dramatically because currency is worth less and deflation is where there's a scarcity of currency and credit in common circulation makes prices rise more slowly because the currency is worth more so uh, the the signs of inflation though are scarcity in, in goods meaning you have empty store shelves because right. what folks will do they'll the common person you know when they have plenty of currency and credit they'll go out and they'll buy more uh, they say I, I have plenty of currency and credit I'm gonna buy as much as I can before the prices rise again you know inflation is making the prices rise I'm gonna go buy more as stock up as much as I can but the signs of deflation is what we have is is an abundance of goods we have full store shelves and common person without enough money, without enough currency or credit to buy what they need, their necessities. So nobody can deny that we're experiencing signs of deflation. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I say that productivity is virtually unlimited. It's limited only by time and technology, and the supply of currency shouldn't be limited by any commodity or even a basket of commodities unless we want to restrict our productivity. So, uh, I think uh, what you're doing is expanding our beautiful potential creativity. As technology increases, so should our standards of living, but the opposite is happening. So, for those who are participating exclusively in the usury economy, the federal um, currency and credit system, uh, what we can do is, what you're doing is whip the money changers, not with weapons, not with a whip, but by building economic and ecologic allies like what you're doing.
1: And there, there is I, I no would... inflation of time. Right. Yeah. Um, I just
2: want to also point, uh, touch on a point about um, the whole luxury goods thing and, well, any basically spending money on things in general and there have been so many studies of how things do not make us happy and how spending your time doing uh, something like going on a trip or going to a concert or something um, is a much more longer-term way of spending your money um, so the same would apply then if you're spending your time um, connecting with people as opposed to just spending money on things and that's just what's going to make us and our community and our connection deeper and you know everything is about that time that you spend and about the memories that you make and not about all that junk and things anyway
0: that junk that uh, slave labor wage made junk that's shipped from across the seas or across borders and cost so much uh, in terms of pollution to get it here Yeah,
2: you
0: know, i wonder why al gore was so pro-nafta if uh, he's so concerned about pollution and co2 emissions but that's another story so uh, yeah it doesn't really matter when you're nullifying that kind of a um you know mercantilistic uh neo global um, new world order type um, system and mercantilism meaning that uh, you know have each country's building things or providing certain goods, separation of powers where one country is forced to depend on the other in order for them to uh, stick together, you know, we should be able to stick together here as well as we can locally here and, uh, you know, get to know, like you said, get to know your neighbors. Sometimes
1: I yeah, feels and this like isn't all isn't This isn't anything okay, that's new. It's mm-hmm. something we're trying to teach people to remember. You know, fifteen hundred mm-hmm. years ago, we all knew who our neighbor were. You know, we we help them out if if there's a. I happen to be in in northern New York right now on vacation, and if the farmer's hay f- machine doesn't work, the next door neighbor with a hay machine does the field without even thinking about it. It's just something that you do. You help your neighbor because that's what you do, and they would do the same thing for you. So it's not a new concept, but where we live in a you know in a city and in the urban world, and we don't talk to our neighbors because we're so busy with this this corporate machine, or at least I was so busy with the corporate machine for so many years trying to, you know, make a living and, and climb the ladder so that I could prove that I was somebody and then one day woke up, <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's not what it's about, you know, so you know, we're just trying to help people remember.
0: Hmm. Very good. Well, you know, um. It's funny that uh, during the Renaissance, that uh, because largely because the Bank of Venice that outlawed usury, that uh, even at that standard of technology, that level of technology, the standard of living was much higher. It was that uh, a man could support a family just maybe with about 12 weeks out of the year worth of work, and the rest Mm -hmm. of the time contributed to the Renaissance uh, by traveling or becoming an apprentice uh, studying um you know just applying his own skills and and um yeah, that's that's one of the big uh, factors for the renaissance is uh, is the outlaw of usury until napoleon who's a agent for the rothschild family sacked the bank of venice uh after almost 100 years of its great success so um i want to inspire folks that yeah we can get back to our roots
1: definitely Yep. All right.
0: Well, you know, um, another point uh, is that people say fiat money. They think that fiat money is paper money, but as I was uh, earlier discouraging the use of commodity-backed, like gold or silver-backed currency. Um, while I think it's a good store of wealth, uh, but I don't think it should be. Um, you know, government-mandated, and I'm glad it's not a, a mandated form of currency, um, and even the national currency isn't a mandated form of currency, you're proof of what you're doing. is proof of that. So, um, you know, but fiat means by official decree. So, uh you know the rothschild family we can some other time go into the history of how uh the rothschild family is so pro um gold and silver currency when a, when it comes to national currency but um you know community currencies are not uh, pretending to be a a currency oh you're you're just based it, which are also based in time just as what you're doing it's it's time it's it's getting back to the roots of, of what the foundation of currency should be based on. It shouldn't be based on a, a limited commodity. It's based on productivity, on human labor. And that's that's really, um, you know, the foundation of uh, uh, of how uh, value should be measured. Well, now, I, that's I all
1: time credits really are, is a record of labor. It's a record of services. You know, Mandy needs a emergency light changed at the cafe. A tying bank member who knows what they're doing can come change that light, and she pays them the hour that it took to get the thing done. So it's really a record of the labor that is done. And he gets the credit, and then he can go, he or she, and in one case I know it was a he, can go then <laughs> yes. get a guitar <laughs> lesson for an hour. You know, and so the value of the guitar lesson has no difference than the value of changing out an emergency light. You know, to Mandy, it probably had a lot of value <laughs> because there's code violations for that stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, but I, I I remember sitting in the doctor's office years ago, and you know, you get in there and you get in the gown and you sit on the table and you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait. And I often thought, I wonder what would happen if I gave the doctor a bill for my time the time that I wait for them in, in, in the examination room. And so in time banking, one hour of the doctor's time that has the, you know, the PhD or whatever, they have those letters behind their name for the different schooling that they've gone to, which I don't discredit, but an hour in their lives is no more valuable to them than an hour in my life. And that's yeah. one of the premises of time banking. You know, I'm glad you went to school. I'm glad you learned all that stuff. I need your services. But you, that one hour in that day is no more valuable in your life than the one hour of my day that I spend getting those services from you. So it flattens the lay, the playing field in it, and it makes, it makes everything even, of course, there
2: are certain things that that doesn't work for, certain things that need specialized equipment or certain things that, Um, You can pay for the, um, you know, the, like when you do, uh, you guys just did canning, um, making some preserves recently. And, you know, you pay for the jars and you pay for the the sugars Mm -hmm. and whatever else you have to do um, in money to reimburse because that's a lost cost. Um, But as far as just the straight up time cost, that's
0: equal for every person. Right, right, right. Mm Mm-hmm. So, can yeah, we're di- say, a little bit
1: different than some time banks because we actually do goods as well as services.
0: Oh, all right. Well, uh, can somebody say, well, I th- believe that my good or service is worth two hours. I'm a doctor. I should be paid two hours for uh, what normally others would be paid an hour. Um, now I know that's the case with community currencies before the transaction is engaged, that uh, someone you know walks in and says, well, I'll, I'll accept only a certain percentage in the community currency, and I want to be paid uh, two or three hours for every hour that I work. Is there any kind of adjustment that uh, could be uh... that's
1: why we sit one-to-one face-to-face in orientations and talk to people because that's not allowed an hour is an hour is an hour we can for Ah. handmade goods we can reimburse Like Mandy was referring to, there was an abundance of mangoes in a member's house. And so she allowed people to come over, and there was a big mango blitz going on. And then somebody Mm -hmm. got the idea, well, let's make mango chutney and actually can it. And somebody taught them how to can it. and so But somebody actually went out to the store and bought some organic goods to make this mango chutney because you put more than just mangoes in it, you know. And so she was reimbursed. The amount of money that she spent per jar so if I'm gonna do 12 jars of mango chutney there's a cost in the jar that I have to go out and buy and there's a cost in the you know the in the ingredients beyond the ingredients that I got for time credits from a member and so those would be reimbursed but there's no negotiation it's like if I'm going to give Mandy a ride to the airport Mandy doesn't get away that often, but <laughs> okay. if I because she's a she's an owner of a of a cafe that's open a lot of hours. But if mm-hmm. if I'm going to give somebody a ride to a, to the airport, there's a cost involved. So they reimburse me that cost and then pay me the time that it took me to go pick them up, take them to the airport, and for me to get back home.
2: So, for example, if there so was essence, some mm-hmm. kind of um, doctor or something on our time bank, and they would get the hour for the service. And they could ask Mm -hmm. for money for some of those expenses, but they would not just ask for additional hours, a different ratio of hours. It would still be just an hour.
1: Like an acupuncturist could ask for the reimbursement for the Mm supplies because supplies are used in doing the service. So if supplies are used in doing the service, yes, they can ask for a reimbursement of those things, but not to double or triple the hours because i'm really important well, that's just not fair that that's exactly
2: against everything that this is about
1: <laughs> right mm-hmm. and that's why we do the orientations to sit down and talk to everybody about it and so everybody gets on the same page
0: great all right all right well um in, in closing here uh, do you have anything else to add
1: mandy uh
2: no i i don't think so just um Reiterate how important community and connections are in our world, especially as the world becomes a scarier place all the time. That sometimes you gotta really rely on the people directly around you to stay sane.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks for what you're doing to take the long view and uh, i want to show folks how they like i say can see how good things can be rather than talk about problems and how bad things are well these are this is one of the ways off of the usury plantation the rigged economy plantation and uh, again at uh, your, your websites are stpete.timebanks.org, and the uh, facebook is uh you can look up st Pete time bank or facebook.com slash groups slash everyday hero exchange and again we'll have you linked up on the um on the page on the liberationstation.com on the website the page for this particular show that's the liberationstation.com so I uh, appreciate you, B.J. founder and Manager of St. Pete Time Bank, and Mandy Keys, also an organizer with St. Pete Time Bank. Thank you for your valuable time.
1: Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: You bet. Mm-hmm. We'll have you back sometime. All right. Awesome. You have a great Bye. night. All right. And to move to a quick clip before we have Kevin Modis on, we will uh, play a quick clip of, uh, uh, so another solution on the uh, red tide problem that is encircling Florida, and uh, the uh, this is uh, an article from W I N K by John Carlos Estrada and uh, just came out three days ago, August fourth, 2018. The article is nano bubble technology could be a solution to Southwest Florida blue green algae, and please go right ahead and play that clip. Sucking the
3: toxic blue-green algae out of canals here in North Fort Myers. You can see people on the rig wearing white protective gear right there. But one company says they figured out a safer and easier way to get rid of that gunk. And i John Carlos Estrada here with that story all new at 11 tonight. Oh, Chris, this picture really just says it all. This is a lake in South Lee County. You can see the difference here. This is what it looked like about two days ago. You can see the green gunk. It looks like a lot of the canals in Cape Coral and North Fort Myers. And here's what it looks like now. You can actually see through the water. And it's all thanks to tons of nanobubbles that are smaller than the eye can see. These are the results Ben Lee is looking for. Less blue-green algae in this water. But that's not all wildlife has returned to. But now you see rings, fishes jumping up and down. There's another one. Forty eight hours ago, that wasn't the case here at this lake in South Lake County all thanks to this bubble machine. We're seeing a tremendous difference between when we started and now. Here's how it works. Bubbles smaller than a piece of hair are blasted into the algae-infested waters. The bubbles put oxygen and ozone into the water, and that helps dissolve the algae. But these bubbles don't rise, they stay at the bottom of the waterbed. We're not just skimming the top, hitting everything that's inside the water. <laughs> The technology, originated in South Korea, has the blessing of Dr. Brian LaPointe, who's been testing our
4: algae waters in Lee County. This technology really probably needs to be applied to these canals, because otherwise this could sit and, and fester here for for
3: too long. And while it's still in the testing phase, Lee County leaders have dropped by to check out the machine at work. This is We do believe that this can be upscaled on a, on a very large scale so that you could actually have m- impacts on the Kalusatra River, maybe even like Okeechobee, long term. And Lee County leaders have seen the machine in action twice already, and they are impressed with th- what they've seen so far. And there are plans next week to move it into canal that feeds off the Calusa Hatchie. Amanda.
1: All right, thank.
0: Well, that's the clip, and that's encouraging. And that was a um, company named Solitude Lake Management, SolitudeLakeManagement.com, that is bubbling ozone into the bodies of water. And uh, it looks promising uh, being someone who has looked into ozone for medical purposes, gosh, for mm, since the early 90s, um, I'm very glad to hear that there's a company that's able to put out such a high volume of ozone. Um, ozone is a uh, just O3. It's oxygen yeah, that's a uh, triatomic oxygen. It's O3 that is uh, combined, it's the combination of O2 and O and uh it's formed it has to be generated freshly because it uh, will degrade after maybe an hour or two depending on conditions uh the the conditions determine how long it'll last but um you know when it reacts with a toxin or a pathogen a germ it will uh return back to o2 and O. so um The only drawback, though, and I I really need to research, but uh, from my understanding of ozone and ozone therapies and uh, reading books by Mr. Oxygen, Ed McCabe, and he's written four books back in the 90s, it was three, but uh, now it's up to four. I have to check up his latest on his latest book that um, uh, from my understanding of biology, mainly from Ed McCabe's books. Uh, the only drawback of which I can think would be that uh, there are beneficial organisms in bodies of water that are anaerobic, meaning they cannot survive in the presence of oxygen. So um, uh, as, the, as the article said that they're going to have to continue with long-term studies, they might need to learn that uh, they will have to take some of those beneficial anaerobic organisms, the beneficial organisms that cannot survive in the presence of oxygen, and culture them in the following ozonation. And once the ozone has broken down, return those beneficial anaerobic organisms to those bodies of water. So um, that might be the the only drawback of which I can think, as well as uh, the fact that, Plant proteins are partially anaerobic, meaning they will be destroyed when exposed to oxygen. But uh, of course, plants usually do a good job of returning, um, you know, after after they've been killed with exposure to ozone. Um, but uh, yeah, it's great for uh, ozone. is great for people. It's great for uh, animals, and because uh, animal protein does not break down when exposed to ozone. Uh, A great site to check out more on ozone and other oxygen therapies is oxygenhealingtherapies.com. That's oxygenhealingtherapies.com. And you'll find that uh, almost all harmful pathogens, which is 99-plus percent of harmful viruses, 99-plus percent of harmful bacteria, and all fungus and mold spores, and all cancer, are also anaerobic they cannot survive in the presence of oxygen and ozone and other oxygen therapies can be used to treat them um back in the 90s uh, you were not allowed to say that uh, you have a medical grade ozone generator but now i can say proudly that i do because i use it to ozonate my water and introduce ozone directly into my gi tract Um, that's one form of oxygen therapy that i take as well as Ionized water, which is just uh, the O molecule or uh, singlet oxygen, so um, which is not as reactive, but it's more plentiful when it comes to ionized water. Uh, unfortunately, I cannot ionize and ozonate water because uh, they'll counteract each other's effects, so I have to choose one or the other. Uh, ionized water has a lot of other beneficial effects. Maybe they could combine the two. Uh, pumping them into bodies of water because ionized water has uh, this. This is a subject for another show, but uh, I just wanted to bring this news to you as soon as I could um, and uh, get in touch with the the uh, yeah. owners of SolitudeLakeManagement.com. And uh, point out that, well, they might want to study the effects of uh, adding ionized water because ionized water also has the the, uh, properties of having a lower surface tension, meaning the water is wetter. It means that uh, the the water is like a surfactant, like a soap. That uh, the, the statement that oil and water don't mix is not true when it comes to freshly ionized alkaline highly alkaline water the more alkaline the lower the surface tension the wetter it is and the more oxygen rich it is the more rich it, the richer it is in the O molecule and it also has a higher antioxidant quality as measured by the oxidative reduction potential the ORP you can buy a Fifty-dollar meter that tests the pH and the ORP, oxidative reduction potential, the antioxidant quality. So uh, the higher the pH, meaning it means that it's more alkaline, and the uh, lower the surface tension, and the higher the ORP, the oxidative reduction potential, the antioxidant quality. But um, you know you can I'm sure you can't get uh, too high uh, or too low when it comes to, on the pH scale, when it comes to uh, supporting life in these bodies of water. So uh, I know the plants like around 5.5 to 6.5 pH. So this is just um, a, uh, I'm not a biologist. I'm not a scientist. I hope you don't think that I'm a, I like to play one on the radio, but these are just things that I've come across in my quest for better health myself. And uh, when it comes to personal and ecological health, uh, there are correlations that uh, that are very interesting. So um, let's see. I think that we've covered that. Uh, that oh, that. Lastly, just to add that, if we can find any remediation, that uh, Mosaic phosphate mining company, the sugar growers, and anybody, maybe even tax dollars, anybody who's responsible. Maybe with their septic tanks or with their own uh, fertilization of their lawns ought to be required to contribute to the remediation to the degree that they cause this red tide disaster that's encompassing Florida and bodies of water within Florida, like Lake Okeechobee. So uh, there are very simple, low-cost technological solutions that I believe we should explore further and uh, will be explored i'm glad to see that wink is doing so with a uh, Solitate solitude lake management um, offering their services well now let's switch gears to what we can do to prevent to protect ourselves and to stop the onslaught of emf pollution we have uh, here now for the remainder of the show, Kevin Modis, who's the outreach director of California Brain Tumor Association, on the hazards of and the protection from EMF wireless pollution, and also the um, what the rollout that's happening uh, currently in certain parts of the country with the 5G network that's uh, even deadlier. And uh, we'll have Kevin here to explain to us exactly what's going on with that. Kevin, are you there? I sure am. Um, I've enjoyed your
4: show very much. And this is very much about protecting our health and maximizing our health. And if people want to maximize their health, they should be minimizing their exposure to wireless radiation um, from any wireless device. And it can be from any source. Um, When the World Health Organization classified wireless radiation as a possible carcinogen in 2011, they didn't differentiate between the source, they said all wireless radiation. Now the research was largely about um, cell phone radiation to the head because that's the most obvious exposure. But people don't realize your phone um, is a microwave transmitter. When you hold your phone up to your head, you're microwaving your head, pretty simply. And if you put it that way, people are like, well, is it a good idea to microwave your head three to six hours a day? Obviously not, but that's what we're doing. But Wi-Fi, which people are, you know, boasting as the solution for everything, it should be everywhere, you know, um, cell phones are 900,000 microwaves per second. Uh, Wi-Fi is 2.45 billion waves per second, and the new Wi-Fi is 5 billion waves per second. This is far from natural because we're electromagnetic beings. We We are electric beings ourselves communicate electromagnetically, they repair electromagnetically, and they work in an electromagnetic environment. To pass billions of waves per second through these cells is absolutely unnatural. And to think that it's going to affect our cells uh, in terms of their functioning and their repair and their reproduction shouldn't be, really be a stretch of the imagination because we are electromagnetic. If you put your finger in a socket, you will see you conduct very well um So this mm-hmm. is a very unnatural environment we're putting ourselves in and with the introduction of 5G technology, it's a huge aberration from the past. Um, the right now we're at about one gigahertz, uh, one billion waves a second with the phones. We're about three to five billion waves a second with our Wi-Fi. Now we're jumping up to 24 to 90 gigahertz. Um, that's 24 to 90 billion waves per second. It's very dense. We're going from waves that are three or four feet long, down to waves that are an inch to half an inch, and they're highly absorbed in the skin. So now we're going from microwaves to millimeter waves. So very dense, tight waves. And so our skin's gonna be highly absorbent of this. Now, this is a big issue. Um, the industry will say, the wireless industry will say, well, it's mostly absorbed by the skin, so it's okay. It doesn't go deep into our bodies. That's simply not true. We know the, the magnetic waves of the electromagnetic go deeper into the skin. Um, but your skin is a big deal if you affect your skin. It's the largest organ of our body. It's venerated by all our nerves. So if you affect the skin, you affect our nerves. And on the same plane is our eyes, and our eyes are gonna be very affected by these millimeter waves, and they have really no way to protect themselves. So um, we, are playing, we are allowing the wireless industry to pay, play a very dangerous game with our health. Um, and the fact that they're rolling out 5G in front of people's homes and the trans, these waves, the difference between these waves and past um, cell tower waves, they don't travel very well and they're very directional. So as a result, the industry is saying they're gonna put uh, a transmitter every two to 10 homes. So that's a very big deal because we know that cancer rates around cell towers are higher than normal for regular cell towers, Um, but that's not a big deal because most people don't live near a cell tower. But now with 5G, you're going to be required to live near a cell tower, and they're rolling them out um, exempt from any kind of environmental health or safety review. So they're going to be exempted from looking at what we have now, more than 10,000 studies showing non-thermal biological effects from wireless radiation, including uh, cancerous effects, neurological effects, effects to the immune system, and effects to reproduction. And frankly, we've had evidence of this for many decades and it's been ignored for many decades because of the potential of the technology has over and the the, the financial interests have overridden what is really actually very obvious health concerns so um, people can look at my website it's 5 ginformationnet 5 ginformationnet there's a link there if you go to um, if you go to important links on the website and that's One of the links is to the Naval Medical Research Institute. They did a study um, looking at, under government agency reports, they looked at um, 6,000 studies, and this was in the 70s, looking at thermal and non-thermal effects from wireless radiation. Now, back then, they had radar on ships, and it was the Navy men that were being affected. Um, They also had um, VHF-TV, UHF-TV, um, they had two-way radios, so they had microwaves back then, and the effects were well documented. And actually, Russia has been uh, leading the way in terms of looking at these non-thermal effects. So, 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 what's the problem right now? The big problem is the FCC regulates this technology, and um, the FCC regulates this technology, and they're composed of mostly wireless industry insiders. So you have the very much the Fox guarding the hen house, Um, and they've set a standard of thermal and above. So they've set a standard, a safety guideline um, of exposure for humans that's thermal and above. That means that you're guaranteed not to be heated or burned acutely by your phone. But anything below that is not covered over time, so people don't realize that they're not really protected. This is a very high standard that allows industry to pretty much do what they want. Um, The other problem is, in 1996, they passed the Telecom Act, and in Section 704, it said only the FCC can look at and set environmental standards. But industry has sued and expanded that to include health and safety, so that if they put a cell tower near your house, and say it's really close to your house, like within 500 feet, you'll be notified to come to a zoning hearing, and I've been to lots of these. There was one today I was part of. Um, you go there, the first thing they'll say is you can talk about whether you want the cell tower or not near your home, but you cannot talk about health and safety. We're not allowed to consider that because of the 1996 Telecom Act that exempted local and state governments from looking at this. So you are literally being prevented from looking at the most important aspect of cell phone radiation exposure with the 1996 Telecom Act. This is how they rolled out the whole system.
0: This how about very- uh, what was- How did they uh, justify that? I mean, I don't see in the Constitution that under the Interstate Commerce Clause, like they use as the lame excuse to pass so many unconstitutional federal laws. Uh, Would you happen to know? And what was the section of uh, the— Section um, 704, the 1996
4: Telecommunications Act. And it's a very good question. This is an unconstitutional provision. And it's not being challenged. It should be challenged by all these local governments and stand up to the industry. But they are literally being intimidated by industry in saying, we don't want to take on the industry because we don't want to spend the money it's going to take for a legal battle. And so they're basically rolling over. Of course, individual citizens are being intimidated and, and being tied up in court when they develop brain tumors from cell phones. Um, but this 1996 Telecom Act was also used to limit lawsuits from brain tumors from cell phones because they said, well, as long as these products are within and abiding by the FCC guidelines, which is a thermal and above standard, then you don't really have a basis for bringing a lawsuit that they did something wrong.
0: So it's so a very- it's not... It's a very if it's not game. cooking you you're saying thermal standard so they're saying if it's not causing heat then it's not dangerous according to them right According to them and this is this is a theory that was outdated when it began
4: you know um, we have documentation of the EPA who used to be involved in this issue, had their own department looking at it, had their own scientists looking at it, were doing their own uh, research. they showed just what we're seeing now increases of cancer, neurological, reproductive immune system issues. Um, they actually, from doing their research, and they held conferences and wrote papers, they recommended to the FCC, and we have documentation of this, a non-thermal standard to go along with the thermal standard. Unfortunately, shortly after they did that, they were defunded by appropriations in Congress, and they were asked not to participate in any more EMF activities. The next year, it's 1996, they passed the Telecom Act, and they give the control to the FCC. So there has been a very conscious Uh, and well-orchestrated effort to hide, avoid, and deny wireless radiation health effects that goes back, you know, 20, 30 years since this all began. And as you see in the Navy report, they knew about these health effects really from the beginning. So fast forward. you going into the break. So fast forward coming into...
0: Okay, Kevin, I'm uh, sorry, doing a remote here, so it's hard for me to pick up on the music. Uh, we have with us Kevin Modis. We'll continue into the next hour with you, and he's Outreach Director of California Brain Tumor Association. His website is 5Ginformation.net. You're listening to Liberation Station. I'm your host, Chris Steiner. The Liberation Station.com is the site where we'll have the show archived. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. WTAN, Clearwater, FM
1: 106.1,
0: WDCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.